All right, so welcome back to The Call to Create. Uh, here we are, we are in another part of what is going to become Ben's premier contemporary event space, open space. Normally our other set is right now being transformed into a venue for the upcoming Ben Film Fest. So we are in another part of the building today. And as part of that conversation, we're also sitting down today with Eric Jambor. Um, to give you a little background on Eric, he got his BFA in filmmaking, television production, that sort of thing, back in 93. He co-founded the Sidewalk Moving Picture F Festival in 1999. He was director of that for eight years. He also instituted the Birmingham Shout, the first LGBTQ film fest in Alabama. He was the executive director of the Indie Memphis, me, Indie Memphis Film Fest in Memphis, Tennessee and has been the Ben Film Fest programmer since 2016. He's also served on fest juries for Slamdance, South by Southwest, Atlanta, Nashville, River Run, Ashland, and Biographilm Fest in Bologna, Italy. He's the co-founder, way back was the co-founder of New World Rising, a post-production facility. He's quoted as saying, film makes it much easier to get through life. So without further ado, let me introduce Eric Jambor. <clears throat> Thank you. You do a lot of research. Uh, that's, that's all I had to say. That's, yeah. <laughs> and that's it. And we're done with the show. All right. Good, good talk. I, you know, the, the thing that I am intrigued by, I want to go all the way back to what, what started you down this path? What sent you down the road of all the way back in the 90s you were like i'm i'm gonna go in the direction of film well i gotta go back before the 90s before the 90s go yeah. back to the 80s and i was one of those <laughs> I feel like it, i feel like we should be like, <laughs> yeah a little time travel action machine i'm one of those kids that would shoot super 8 home movies uh okay. growing up so you know 10 11 12 in, in that age range my parents had gotten me a super 8 camera and i did a lot of just backyard movies so you know stop motion uh, films where i take my jawa star wars action figures and because the little cloaks kind of covered up their joints you couldn't you know it didn't look silly it looked great because you could make them run around it looked like they were really moving right. um, or just afternoon movies where we would a friend would come over, we'd think up some concept, and we'd go shoot it in the backyard over a weekend. Right. Um, you know, nothing grand, but that was sort of, I was going to be someday another, you know, Spielberg or, you know, one of those kind of guys. But they were right. all, that was sort of, you know, I remember, you know, Star Wars was super exciting as a thing you would go to as a kid. But when, by the time Raiders came out, I think I was old enough and there were enough making of docu you know, documentaries on yeah, TV yeah, yeah. or specials that it was like, oh, I, that's, you don't have just go to movies, you can make them. And so mm -hmm. that became a, you know, uh, a passion and an interest uh, since then. Okay. So it kind of spirals downhill from, from there. <laughs> I guess it depends on yeah. how either, you want to portray either, that. Either, <laughs> either way. Downhill. Um, but yeah, you know, f <laughs> formats change, but as the years progressed, um, I kept making, uh, you know, s silly, just fun films and um, uh, spent a year in Norway. My dad had a sabbatical um, where he, he took 
think he had the option of doing a half year at full salary or a year at half salary and chose the latter. So when I was 12, uh, my family moved to Norway for a year and it was uh, me and my sister who's, who's three years younger and my, my parents and I'd never been to Norway, didn't know what it was like, didn't speak the language, went over there at 12 and uh, it was a cool kind of shock to the system because I was definitely a kid that spent too much time uh, just on computers. Okay. And I had an uncle that uh, built me a computer before that was something that people tended to have. And so uh -huh. I learned to program and code back, you know, 1980-ish. Right. And uh, going to Norway all of a sudden kind of shifted the focus because you didn't have all those things you have at your bedroom at home and you have to go outside and do more fun things. But I kept the movie stuff going. It would make films there. Okay. And then as high school kind of came into the picture, um, went to high school, had an internship program, and was oh. able to intern at a place in Birmingham that did all of the Ringling Brothers commercials nationally. Wow. Uh, so it'd be like cool. Ringling, Disney on Ice, um, all those sorts of things. And uh, uh, we slowly went, a friend of mine and I both did the internship, and we slowly went insane because we would be <laughs> responsible for doing the, uh, the dubbing, the commercial copying. Of, for all the TV stations. So we'd get an order that would come in and we'd have to make like 40 copies of, you know, It's a Small World, Disney on Ice special, where um, they're all tagged for different cities. And we'd have to sit back there and make all the copies. But, you know, you're hearing the same thing over and over and over again. Right. Uh, and so that was, that was sort of a fun, crazy high school time. But the benefit of it was we had full access to all the equipment in the off hours. Oh, nice. And so okay. my friend Paul Ferguson and I would sit around and make just the most bizarre high school movies you've probably ever seen. Right. But they're all broadcast quality because it was the same gear you'd use to make national TV commercials. Okay. Cool. <laughs> um, and so that sort of kind of kept that interest going. Right. And you know. so, okay, now this this is because Star Wars was like the formative movie for me. Was that the was that the one that like sparked? the thing for you that set you on that path or what well, I think for me that was that Star, Star Wars showed that movies were something that could be a passion mm -hmm. to go see right yeah I think before they were just cool but Star Wars was like yeah I, I saw it a you know, gazillion times in the right. theater I think I saw it like 14 times or something yeah in yeah. the theater like and I you know you're waiting years between the next one and it yeah. took forever yes, I guess yes and you're just like Oh my God, when's it coming? Yeah. And your friend would have the, you know, eight millimeter reel, 16 minute version of the film right. that you could watch at their house. And yeah, so that, but, but it was Raiders of the Lost Ark that was the, hey, movies are something you can make. Okay. Because of the behind because the, of the scenes Because of the behind the scenes shows that would, would be on okay. so often. And it seemed, you know, doable and you know, accessible, I guess. Like, yeah, I could do that. So when, how old were you when you were in Norway? How old were so you? So that was, that was uh, 12 to 13. Okay. So uh, I had my 13th birthday on the top of this mountain where, you know, family and friends carried up segments of a big cream cake to the top of the mountain. We assembled <laughs> this cream cake on the top of the mountain. We ate it. Right. Um, you kept making films in Norway and you had access to... Yeah. I mean, Norway, it was, it was uh, I probably shot, we shot a lot of things just for yeah. fun. Um, I don't think I edited there, but you know, back then it was all sp splicing. So you would take, you know, your super eight splicer and, and you know, the eight in eight millimeter is because the eight millimeter diagonal size of the uh -huh. frame, that's really right. small. 
And I remember I had seen, I guess one of the, maybe the Star Wars making of videos of how you, know, you can make laser blasts. And I guess one of the things you can do is scratch a laser onto the emulsion of the film. Right. And so I spent a lot of time probably damaging my eyes trying to etch laser blasts into each frame to make them shoot across the frame from right, the, right. you know, the gun to the target. And, you know, right. I think I would, I didn't have a light table. I was using a fluorescent bulb or fluorescent tube. It would wrap the film around the bulb and have an X-Acto knife and try to kind of scratch it out. <laughs> uh, so yeah, good times. Yeah, right, um, right. So it was, it was fun Then you know, in high school we would make these, these films. Um, uh, you know, you can't scratch anymore into the emulsion, but you're not trying to splice the video. And so you're now learning uh, linear, this linear editing style where every time you know, you're, you're recording one scene onto a tape and then, you know, you, then, you, then you lay down the next one, you're putting them in order. Right, right. And there was this huge advancement many years later for nonlinear editing where it was, it was like essentially a word processor for, for film editing. And now right. you can just stick whatever shot you want anywhere in your, in your film. You don't have right. to plan ahead and put it in order. Right. And so I remember that was a fun fun thing. So you've basically you've been immersed in this since you were a kid. Yeah, I was there since the beginning. It was there I was, since I was there since the beginning of my youth. Uh, so you know but, but so the, the progression of that then was in high school we made these films. Uh, the adults that worked at this production company called Air Mobile Productions in okay. Birmingham, Alabama, the the grown-ups us, our mentors <clears throat> Uh, all up and moved to Atlanta because there was a big, much more happening production scene in, in Atlanta. And so all of a sudden, us, Paul and I are two, us two high school kids were the ones there that knew how to run the machinery. <laughs> okay. So our boss just kind of promoted us to actually doing the other work. And so we had some, you know, we were able to get some decent money as high school kids doing real work. And then when I went off to high school, my friend Paul stayed there and he amassed a client base so he was became a full-time editor and you know developed all these client relationships so that when i got out of film school um he was ready to start up hey let's start up this company that's new I world rising you. that you okay. mentioned that's a good find that's that's a rare thing people know um and so we had this company that originally was just doing what was at the time creative offline editorial i don't think offline even exists anymore but what that was it was sort of like a rough draft. So we would basically have the word processor with a dot matrix printer. And we would spend a lot of time putting uh, TV commercials like bank spots and hospital spots, um, you know, nice things, you know, uh, putting the commercials in order. Mm -hmm. And then you would take it to somebody else to do the online, so the finishing. And they would do color correction okay. and okay. they would do the titling. And uh, at some point in there, we realized, well, we have enough of a client base built up that they all say they will use us for the online finishing work if we had the gear. So we got a loan to get this million dollar machine, which at the time was amazing. It was Quantel Henry. No one else in the Southeast had one. We got one and it was, at the time it was amazing. It was nonlinear D1 uncompressed uh, digital editing. And so okay. you could do the same thing, but, all, but an uncompressed video angle. And so it was a very high-end thing we we're very excited about. And that was sort of our corner of the market for, for a long time. Um, you know, doing the whole shebang and even going so far as to buying our own Aeroflex camera. You know, it was right. a very, okay. very cool, you know, 
uh, out of college time. Right. And um, I mean, all this is right after college. Yeah, yeah. So essentially, That's yeah. That's pretty awesome. So instead of getting a job, we just created right. a job. It's a pretty kick-ass way to spend your years after college. Like, yeah, I mean, it would have been... You know, in retrospect, it would have been probably more beneficial to have done what my other friends did and just go to L.A. Uh And then, you know, just jump in the industry. Um, But, you know, when you're a big-headed kid out of film school, it's like, well, you already know this. You feel like you know everything. Let's just start our own company. I didn't want to go out there and be a production assistant because I didn't didn't know what I wanted to learn. I just thought we could make our own thing. Right. Um, So that was interesting. But, so, yeah. so you were. This was still all in Alabama. This was Alabama, yeah. <clears throat> and you, you parlay. When when did you go from there? Somewhere along the way, when did you meet Robin and all of this? This was actually that was she. That was when you were in Memphis, right? Right. So my wife Robin, yeah, we met uh, at the Indie Memphis Film Festival. So okay. I ran that after I was at Ben Film for a year. Okay. And Indie Memphis was, at the time, uh, kind of transitioning from that all-volunteer kind of structure to they'd gotten money to hire their first uh, executive director. Okay. And I had just left Ben Film, and I was, I'd gone back to the South, and I was consulting with the Indie Memphis folks informally about, like, who might be good for that job. Okay. And I was trying to think of people to send them to. Because I, I, you know, I'd already done what, nine years of film festivals. Like, well, that's that's you know, it's a good phase. I'll go mm-hmm. on to something else. Mm-hmm. But the more I talked to them, the more I realized what they had, what could happen in Memphis, and what they were interested in, mm-hmm. were all the things that I wanted to do that I couldn't do in Birmingham or, or in Bend at the time. Okay. Okay. And so at some point in those conversations, I, I had to say, well, you know, I'll throw my hat in the ring, right? And, you know. This sounds really great for the things I'm interested in as well. And as things happened, I got that job. And then uh, my, my wife, Robin, at the time was a photographer in Memphis, an artist and photographer, but she was who they would contract every year to shoot the festival. Mm-hmm. And so I was the first person, apparently, that, would, that sat down with her and said, well, here are the shots I want you to be sure to get. Okay, okay. And I guess that opened the, you know, right. opened the door on Sparked what, what, what came. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. And then, so you were, how long were you with Indy Memphis? You were with them for yeah, a Indy long Memphis, time, uh, right? Yeah, Indy Memphis, yeah, that was a long run. That was a, uh, I think it was seven years. Okay. And we took it from kind of a local, a local awesome secret to something that had a really a national reputation. At okay. the time, they were just running Southern films, or that was the focus. And I had broadened that to regional filmmaking um, but you know, we, what we were trying to do is, was uh, increase sort of the attention by bringing in jur- jurors like Elvis Mitchell came in for I think the first two or three years I was there. You know, people of that stature and caliber, uh, Larry Karaszewski, who wrote Man on the Moon and the new Eddie, Eddie Murphy film. Um, you know, he, he was on the jury. Craig Brewer did Hustle and Flow. Like a lot of these like higher profile people, so they would come in and talk about the festival as they would leave and you know, go back to their own communities. And it's kind of what we, what we did in Sidewalk, but Memphis was easier because Sidewalk in Birmingham, Birmingham itself, if you've never been to the South, if, you, right. if you're a filmmaker in LA and you think of Alabama right. and Birmingham, right. it's, you just think of civil rights and the 60s, right. yeah. and it's not very positive. 
Right. You might, at the time, you might also have thought of American Idol. And at the time we had, I think we had, two, you know, two or three American Idol winners okay. from Birmingham. Okay. So that's, yeah, hooray. I didn't know um, that Ruben, Birmingham Ruben was such a source yeah, of, a American Mecca of American Idol success. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but Memphis has, of course, a lot of civil rights n- negative things, of course, but beyond that, there's Elvis, you got rock and roll, the blues, barbecue, sure. all these yeah, other yeah, things yeah. that people know and love. Right. And so when you're reaching out to people, they either have always wanted to come and visit and right. go to Graceland, or they're just huge fans of barbecue or whatever. So it was easier to, <laughs> you know, invite different people to come in. Right. Um, An easier sell than Birmingham. Yeah, I I, I, it felt like that. Um, okay. You know, certainly the, there's like just cool music stuff that we could always, always pull into. And so in the middle of all this, were you still making films or had you kind of transitioned from making films to oh, see, that's running a good, fests? Good question. So that story, if I could back up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. While at this post-production company, you know, I'm basically editing all the time. Right. So however many years, we did well. We, you know, we went best of show at the local Addies and... Uh, we would produce, you know, producing our own things that would win awards and, you know, feeling great about it. But at some point in there, I realized I didn't go to film school to make commercials, though these are right. good. I'm happy with the work. You know, we're not doing yeah. car commercials. Maybe one car commercial, but, you know, it was mainly <laughs> hospital spots right. and, you know, right. uh, banks. Uh, so I, I went to film school to make movies. I want to make right. movies. Right. I mean, right. I would imagine that was your passion yeah. from the get-go. Right. So 96 is be three years after gradu- graduation. Started to pull these pieces together. And I had gone to some festivals um, post-film, post-film school. Uh, specifically, um, if I get my time, timeline right, um, I had done some uh, Sundance Channel bumpers for Hunter Films. And, which is Alan Hunter and his brother Hugh. Alan was on MTV in the, the beginning days, okay. and, and he's from Birmingham. Okay. And he, he and his brother Hugh had a production company, and they were one of our clients. We cut a lot of stuff for them, and they were doing blockbuster, or they did blockbuster video, um, some other great, great clients, um, but Sundance Channel was one of them. And so we did some really cool bumpers, and I think that was the, maybe that was the reason I kind of went to Sundance early on and got to see some really amazing films in the process I'm trying to get my film done and my film ended up what I realized was the thing to do was to make it super short and make it on 35 millimeter film okay. because at the time that was a format people projected movies okay in. you go to the theater you'd see a film projected right so I felt okay if I get a film into a film festival I can make it short if it's on 35 they'll put it in front of a 35 millimeter feature which is which would be the better ones? I see. So instead of a video okay. feature. So like the format was. Yeah, I thought that would be that to position. Yeah, right. So I was trying to be smart about it. Right. And uh, so I made a, a movie. It was six minutes and forty seconds long. I got Alan Hunter to star in it with some college friends, and it was sort of a dinner party gone awry. Couple scenes shot on thirty-five, edited on on Avid. We did a negative matchback and cut the negative, and so I, I made three prints you know, about okay. this big. Right. And it, the plan worked, and it premiered at the Seattle Film Festival in 96. And uh, it was the year of train spotting and uh, Steve Soderbergh's uh, Schizopolis. Mm-hmm. And I remember after it premiered, the director of the festival was there. And, you know, I was thanking him, and 
He's like, oh, what are you going to see next? And I was going to sprint across the, uh, the campus and go see, uh, I think, Bertolucci's Under a Sheltering Sky. Okay. And he's like, no, 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 just stay here and watch this next movie. And it was Train Spotting, which is an amazing film, but it's even more mind-blowing if you have no idea what you're walking into. And I didn't. I didn't right. know. What, I had yeah. never seen a yeah. Danny Boyle film. I didn't know about the toilet that he had fallen into. I didn't know anything about the movie. And just <laughs> okay. from, from go, I was floored. And that experience, and then going to the Slamdance Film Festival, which is sort of an offshoot of, uh, in Park City of people that didn't get into uh, Sundance mm -hmm. and started their own festival, which still is going on. It's where people like Christopher Nolan uh, and the uh, Russo brothers from uh, uh, the Avengers movies, they all got their start at Slamdance. Okay. With their first features. And going there and seeing films that similarly would blow my socks off, I was like, you know, I'm more interested in the films other people are making than the films that I was making. Uh, okay. And eventually my friends in Birmingham got tired of me just talking about these films. And we're like, well, why don't we just do our own festival? Because some of these, you'd go to these festivals and it's just, well, this is just a conference room with a projector and some temporary seats set up. It doesn't seem very complicated. We could do that. Right, right. So we modeled Sidewalk after those sorts of festivals mixed with a music festival. There was one called City Stages in Birmingham where they'd shut off all the downtown streets, gate it all off, and have stages with live music on all these major intersections. And mm -hmm. we thought, well, we'll do a film festival like that because we don't know any better. We'll just gate off this, this you know, couple of blocks in downtown Birmingham, and we'll use these venues, and you'll go inside to see movies, and outside will be tents and music and vendors and stuff. Um, you and know, that was just, just throw it together. Yeah, should be easy, right? How yeah. hard can that be? So we spent well, we spent forever planning it, and then I think like two months before it was supposed to happen, someone suggested we get with an event event producer, and uh, Carrie Lane is her name, and she came in and said, "You guys are crazy. You're trying to do this when?" <laughs> and she was able to pull pull off the logistics necessary to make it happen. We actually right. did a first year, but we sort of learned all these things going along, like, oh, you don't need to close off the streets because. There's no traffic in downtown Birmingham then on, on the weekends. Right. And, and it might be nice to have any cars go by that were there. Right. And no one was coming down for the outdoor activities. They all wanted to see the movies. So it sort of grew from, it grew from there. So, that, so that's how I transitioned from filmmaking into film showing okay. <laughs> or curating. Okay. Right. Um, and unfortunately, I, you know, that was the last film I made, or the most recent film I made was night, premiered in 96. Oh, wow, okay. And so I think, I'm at, I, think I can no longer be a filmmaker. If I'd written a novel, I could probably still be a novelist at that, you know, right. you'd have a lot right. of time in between. Right. But I think if your last film was 96 and it was not even seven right. minutes, I might have to do another one to keep on the <laughs> filmmaker Does that, does that still resonate with you? Do you miss that? Do you ever think like, ah, oh, I'd love to make another film, or you just, are you oh, I think, completely... you know, every, every now and then, I think if it's the right, if I came up with the right, right. thing. Um, but, you know, the way these festival cycles go, you get inspired by the festival and the people you meet, mm -hmm. and then you're ready to do something, but then you all of a sudden start getting pulled into the next year's festival planning. Right. And so I've never been able to separate that out enough to really get right. something going. Right. But my wife, Robin's very good about trying to you know, encourage that, and she's made a couple experimental shorts in the meantime and we've talked about collaborating on something i just need to get you know focused on returning to that right. because certainly you know 
you meet all these friends you want to collaborate with in some way. Sure. It'd be fun, yeah. fun to do. But the festival does become all consuming when you've right. got 1,400 right. films to watch. Yeah. <clears throat> and so you were in Memphis. You met Robin. I think it was a few years later. You guys got married. Uh, you know, somewhere along the way, then kids come along. Are yep. you, like at any point in time, are you thinking, oh my God, I, like, is this the industry I want to be in? Is this the path that is going to help my family? Like, how, how did all that fit together for you? Or were you, were you all in from, it sounds like you have been fully committed to this world from day one and you wouldn't, you wouldn't leave it for anything. Well, I'm not, let's say I'm not a very good planner. <laughs> and right. one never knows. Like, I think that's, that's the thing. Like, the world can be whatever you want it to be, and you can do anything. So often when opportunities are out there, you're like, well, what if I can't commit to this because something else might come up? And it becomes hard to sort of decide. Like, right. how do you decide when all opportunities are out there? Right, right. And I don't... I don't I've, you know, I and we have not really figured out the answer to that. And that's something, you know, always trying to yeah. figure out. I need to get the right career coach or life coach or, <laughs> right. or something. When you find that right person, let I, me know. I, I yeah, will. Please I will. pass that on. I will. Because I think, you know, there, there are creative things that I'm interested in and would like to do, but I've not figured out that right balance between okay. uh, work and life, especially like right now yeah, for, for us, we're sort of on that festival swing up where we're um, very close to the. 16th year of the Ben Film Festival. So uh, any spare time, it's like one more piece of the puzzle that's gotta be knocked out, right, one more right. email or one more spreadsheet piece. Um, but once that's passed, there, there is a window that'd be nice to fit in some time yeah, for, yeah. for some other things. And do you and Robin collaborate in, in creative projects or do you, do you move in separate circles? I mean, I know she is an artist and she does art installations mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. sounds like she does some pretty amazing stuff yeah. in her field. She does cool stuff. You should have her on. Yeah, no, I've um, been trying to get her on. She's, she's tough to and get. And she's terrified to get in front of the camera. <laughs> I think more so than you were. Oh, so. The camera? What? Um, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, you know, no, we, we, we've done more music stuff together. Okay. And I think we, you know we will collaborate on film things. I think I'm hard. I have a hard time getting into things because I just I'm not good about that time management. So I always feel like I'm behind on the other thing I'm supposed to be doing. Okay. So even if I'm by myself, I feel like, oh, I can't just start working on that song now because I should be doing. I should just get a head start on the movies I should be watching. Right. Or right. catch up on that movie I didn't get to see from you know from earlier. There's always, there's always something I'm feeling I should have already been doing that I'm behind on. Right. It's a mindset thing that I need to adjust. It's not, it's not correct. There's, you, you know, one can make those spaces right. if you do it right, but I'm, I'm not very good at it. And I need to be able to find a better way to make that space to do, make my own creative things because that, that's when I'm the, you know, I think most fulfilled or happiest is when things are being created. And to you, when you're, when you're working with a film fest, does that feed that creative urge like does that do that push that button for you or do you feel like creativity like actually creating something like you're talking about would be a different project yeah it's well it's different sorts of 
creativity. And right. so it, it does fill, it fills one of those buckets in a way. Right, right. Or parts of the festival does. Because certainly the uh, kind of the curation aspect where you're trying to find these films and putting them together in a certain way, uh-huh. that's, very, that's very exciting. Or finding a filmmaker that you, you can be excited about that maybe nobody else has really uh, honored or recognized in a certain way. Okay. That's, okay. that's really cool. Or finding new ways to maybe help them to connect because I try to make, or ideally I'd like the festival to be more of a connection point than just people coming to something. Okay. You know, connections like, between filmmakers, right, and, and audience and members, like yeah. So the audience as well, right. not just on the yeah. Film and we often get set. stuck with logistics, right? And you know, like right now would be a great time to be thinking about hmm, how else can we do those things. Right. But right now, it's more of like a race to the spreadsheet to get yeah, everything yeah, filled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, that's that's a challenge, but it's something that um, I think uh, you know I'm certainly always trying to figure out. Well, what can we do that can help facilitate that? Right. It's the same thing, like a lot of time, times you might go to a party and it's like, okay, well, this is just another party where there's music and there's some food over here and there's some drinks over there and it's just people talking right. and that's it. And I don't know what the solution is, but uh, I like it when there, there are ways to facilitate conversation and it should be more than just a sticker on your forehead that has a country name or a world leader that you have to try to get the other person to guess. You right, know? right. Is that the office? Yeah. They did it on the office. Yeah. Um, though that could certainly be funny. Because <laughs> the thing I've noticed with you as programmer is like, it seems that you, it's not just about selecting good movies, it's also about selecting movies which flow together or complementary or it seems that it seems that you were you were looking at more than just is it a good film or not. It's it's there's a sort of jigsaw aspect mm-hmm. of like fitting the pieces together, even though they're different shapes, they kind of come together in certain ways. Right, that, right. Yeah. Well, thanks. Is that <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that is that is an intentional thing. Okay. Like you can't you can't just take the top scoring films from your screening committee in each category and run those. You know, you're using this, this, like the raw scores and comments from the committee to narrow down the selection and then deciding what you run sometimes is based on something else that runs, especially with the short film programs. So we have, we had some great people working as associate programmers and um, I loved what they were recommending. And as I started looking at other things, I was like, well, like what if we put this one with this one and then this one doesn't fit anymore and then now this right. block becomes about something else I don't go so as far so far as to tell you what that block is I maybe should I should maybe thematically tell you but right. but we have one block that's all um, it's all sort of growing up it's, it's women directors all about growing up at different okay. stages of okay. being a woman um, and it's like well this is really solid but that also meant that's one block that this cool sports short about a high school football player didn't fit in and it doesn't fit in the other block anymore because the other one became more about, you know, relationships and different. So it's weird because sometimes favorite films just get out because of these connections and the flow points that we were kind of talking about. Um, And same with the features, like sometimes you know, the features sometimes link from one to another. There's a really nice through 
through line of music documentaries and music films this year. And there's a, a, a on the Ben film schedule, you can click the music button and see all these films that, that are connected, whether it's, I want my MTV about, you know, how MTV came together or boom, a film about the Sonics, about the Northwest band in the early sixties. Okay. It was, you know, uh, super influential, but most people don't know who they are. Um, to uh, talking heads stop making sense. Like we have all these different things that if you're, you might hate movies and you might hate film festivals, or you might hate the idea of going into a dark room for two hours when you could be, you know, out enjoying the outdoors in Bend, Oregon. Right. But you might be a huge music fan. Right. And right. so part of what I try to do is have these access points for people like that. Like nice. it's not okay. it's not just about you don't have to be an indie film fan to come to a festival like Bend Film or Sidewalk or Indie Memphis. Right. You need to be a person passionate about life and then just look at look at what we're showing. We may have a film about your favorite thing. It's it's in there somewhere, and so I right. like to, I like to encourage people to be uh, be uh, be curious. Look at that program and see what we're showing. Really, for any festival, and and dig through everything's in there because it's great. And so your trick is just seeing well, what are the hooks for you, and then can we encourage you to see something you might not normally have mm -hmm. wanted to check out, and then hopefully you get inspired and right. changes your life and become a new person. So I'm going to go in a slightly different direction, but so how old are your kids now? You have two, two I have kids. two. One will turn seven uh, later this month, and one turns two at the end of the year. When you guys started having kids, I assume you were you were in Memphis, you were doing the Indie, Indie Memphis Film Festival, yeah? Mm -hmm. She was an artist, photographer. Was there, was there ever this this thought of like, can we can we continue to live this life that we're living and have kids and you know make it all work or were you guys both you're like yeah like we're in this and we're loving it and this is the direction we're going because I think I just I, I just remember when we had kids and at first just feeling completely at sea <laughs> with like, okay, can I do this? Am I, you know, are we doing it right? How is this going to work? Was there, was there any of that for you guys or were you just, you knew, you knew your path and you were going to keep going? Well, I think, I think, yeah, we were probably, you know, at sea too, like you've never had kids before. You don't, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, like I was, I was never one that was good with other people's right. kids personally. <laughs> right. You know, yeah, like, like I don't want to. Hello, little yeah, person. I don't want to break you. Um, but you know, with your own kids, it's, it becomes a different thing. Uh -huh. The same way with pets, probably too. Now that now they come to think of it, um, <laughs> big similarities. So my, if it's my own slobbering dog, it's okay. If it's somebody right, else's, yeah. just don't don't jump on me. Um, and I think we, you know, we both like the idea of having a some kind of creative life yeah. that is inspiring to them, even if they don't know it. Right. You know, so um, we try to have music nights at the house, where we're we're playing and people are coming over, at least in Memphis, we do that a lot where friends would come oh, over that my God, I would, imagine would, would play and sing and yeah. we'd have, you know, we, we did some band appearances and, um, you know, try to have that setting and our older daughter loves to sing and she sometimes wants to learn piano or, or drums right. or guitar or whatever. So she's gonna, you know, she's now taking music lessons and is over at the Cascade School of Music doing voice over there. So hopefully she'll keep all that going. Um, but I think, uh, it, it, it does become a challenge to keep those things 
you know, going all the time. It was easier right. in Memphis because we had we did have those regular folks that could get going. Right. And Robin's right. very good about keeping those people uh, engaged, whereas I just kind of get often overwhelmed that I'm busy with the work stuff, and all of a sudden it's it's Friday. And if she hadn't invited somebody over, we wouldn't necessarily right. have a music night. Right. Because you know? it does get hard you know, if you're if you are crazily busy working, and then you know trying to do dinner and get the kids to bed and then like well I'm glad we got that done but now I'm tired I'm gonna zone out watch a movie and go to bed right but right. that's not very creative or inspiring right but that's sometimes how it is and you think that was it was or it seemed it was mostly she took the lead on that making that happen uh, when you know to bring people over and oh definitely them. yeah definitely inviting yeah I don't invite people over right. <laughs> I'm just I'm just not very good at thinking, right. thinking of it ahead of time, right. or thinking that that's a better option than just. Be, I, I I have more antisocial tendencies. Okay. But I always feel great after we do it. Like it's right. always right. A, it's always a thrill. Yeah. And since I don't really play in public, that's sort of that becomes the okay. performance outlet is living room concerts, you know. So for you, there's also that creative side of your life as well, music. Yeah, there is music. Uh, but that, but that well, the music you. thing is interesting because it goes back to um, you know high school and uh, the realization that had I bought a decent guitar back in high school, it'd be worth a lot of money now. But instead, <laughs> I bought like some Japanese metal electric, you know, right. for like speed metal, and I don't know why, because me and all my friends were all into like you know Beatles and REM and like like things guitars that would have made sense if I bought a Fender or a Gibson or something. Right, but I, right. I just got. So now you're kicking Fine. yourself. You're like, why didn't I buy something yeah. sweet? If I got an American-made Fender, it would've been great. But no, <laughs> but the guitar is fine. I still have yeah. my high school guitar. Um, but you know, when, you know, we were never that necessarily good. But we were a bunch of friends that all liked music better than we could play, and so we couldn't play the music. And so we would write our own songs. But then the songs we would write weren't really songs we could play live. So we ended up being a studio-only band. <laughs> but not like the Beatles where you're really awesome and then you retire from touring. We were just like, the guy's not good enough to play, so we would do <laughs> right, it on, right. on the four track where you keep punching in your solo a bunch of times until you got right. it right. Um, but we did a number of albums and, and f throughout the years, every now and then, someone from that same group would say, hey, I have a new song, do you wanna have a listen, maybe add some parts to it? And we still, we still sort of do that. Right. And so I still like that idea and, and someday we'll record some more songs. Right, in the right. meantime, I'm just trying to get, I'm just trying to learn the instrument better and um, you know, get better about just playing covers that are fun to play. Right. And so with your kids, do you, it sounds like, it sounds like music and voice and is kind of a thing, but do you urge that? Do you, do you kind of push for creative directions for your kids or do you let them, find their way like how do you balance that yeah I think um, I think I you know both Robin and I want we try to encourage it but you know they're pretty they're their own people right, right? yeah and so like so Simone loved to climb do uh, climbing at the climbing gym in Memphis uh -huh. and so like okay it's awesome when we get to bend this will be great because they're great climbing gyms here too and we'll keep that going and Robin took her to the first one the first time and she was just goofing off and bored, didn't want to go do it again. Right. And then so it's hard to encourage them if they don't want to do it. Right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 
so she loves to draw and um, you know do the art things and dance and and so I think uh, it's just sort of for me it's like what opportunities can we give the kids to explore mm-hmm. and try out and maybe you reintroduce things at different times to see if maybe yes. again they might like it yes um, but you know you can't at least at this age, you can't force it too much. Right. Um, but I do know, like, I remember my guitar lessons, and they were horrible, like, yes. when they started. And it's Mel Bay guitar books that are, like, <laughs> so uninspiring. I don't know why they even make them. It's almost like, so I, I took those same lessons as yeah. a kid, and it's almost like they're trying their damnedest to get you to not want to play guitar. Right. Because it is right. so painful. And some and of it, so... has, I think, must be because of the public domain of those songs sure like, yeah oh here's old mcdonald or right. old blue river or whatever and it's whole different thing if if even if you don't know the songs you want to play if you have a guitar teacher or a music teacher that can say like have you ever heard have you ever right. heard this song right somebody that gets you excited that. about yeah. cool music yeah because if you if you get a riff like you know day tripper is not hard and it's fun and if you've never heard the song before, it's really empowering to learn it, right? Right. Um, but if you're trying to learn, you know, Old Man River, right. and you're just, you know, it's probably the same chords for a lot of these songs. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just a different thing. But it's a way less exciting yeah. assemblage of them when you're right. playing like Old Man and River. And Memphis has like, you know, a, a few um, uh, outlets for the School of Rock. And I'm like, uh, ah, that's where I would want to go if I was a kid. Right, you know? right. And so, I dream of enrolling Simone, and then she can be a power rocker. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, what what do you think is next, like, for you, for your family? Are you do you have, do you have a plan, or or are you kind of riding the ride as it comes to you? Like, what's the? Yeah, we we have we have no plan. Okay. We need we sh- we need a plan. <laughs> okay. Um, because yeah, I mean you know one could keep doing what you're doing forever, or one could try to figure out where do you want to go and how do you want right. to get there. And there are lots of opportunities, and I think when you're planning, it's anything. It's kind of like, well, who should we invite to the festival this year? Let's make a list. Could be anybody, you know. Right. Let's get Costner and Harrison Ford together and have them talk sure, about stuff. Yeah. That'd be cool. It's like, yeah, but that's impossible. Right, right. But same thing. Like, well, where should we, what should we do? Well, let's move to southern France and live there. That'd be cool. Or, well, Florence, Italy would be cool, too. Or Norway. I like Norway. Let's, so, like, you can easily, like, start making forever lists, but how do you decide? Yeah. And what are you going to do when you get there? Right. I can't, I, you know, a bakery would be cool, but I don't know how to bake bread. <laughs> Aside from the fact that you can't yeah. bake. Yeah. Or be cool to have like, like a, you know, a cool little bookstore in a small, right. you know, like an American bookstore in a small French seaside town would right. be cool, but, you know, can't say that will sustain any revenue necessarily, but right. it could be cool. And what, so are there, I mean, are any of those, not necessarily bookstores in the south of France, but, you know, are there any things that you guys are tossing around or thinking about or like seriously giving consideration to like maybe we're going to go in this direction next or we're going to stay on the path we're on now and see well right 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 now it's just trying to decide well what do we do after ben film right you know we're 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 uh you know we tend to come in every summer 
and then leave after the festival. Uh, this year, since our oldest is in first grade, there's a little bit of like, well, let's just, we'll at least finish out this, the, you know, the, the first half of the school year. Okay. So if we do go back, the transition would be with the first of the year. Or if we stayed, she could then complete first grade here. Right. But then it's the next summer, so then... Then you're into here, the next right. fest. And then it's the next fest, and then same thing. Like, do you then stay for the first half of second, second grade? Right. Or do you do a whole... So it just it keeps going. Yeah. So you have to figure out that next dream step. And so maybe maybe it'll be going someplace cool. But I think you. I think it is partly the the what do you want to do? What do you want to be with the rest of your life decision to figure out? Like, is that, is that programming? Is it trying to make a movie again? Is it trying to, you know, figure out how to parlay all those things together into something new? Mm-hmm. I don't know. We're kind of, we're, you know, open to explore and that's where that, that coach will come in handy. Right. Yes. When you find the right one, let right. me know for sure. <laughs> well, um, so where, like, as we wrap things up, where can people find you? Or where would you point? Where would you like people to go to see what you're up to with social media or online or anything like that? Is there? That's you know I I, I am not on social media like one should maybe be. Okay. Um, uh, you can maybe catch me on Facebook, uh, but my handle tends to be uh, Gamalost. G-A-M-A-L-O-S-T, which means old cheese. It's a Norwegian cheese <laughs> that you don't want to try. But it was the name of the film I did in 96. Okay. So I use that for most things. So on Twitter, Gamma Lost is me on Twitter. Uh, at the moment, it's just, you know, I retweet, retweet things occasionally or, right. um, or, or post about some new Beatles re-release I'm excited about. Right. Um, you know, I'm on LinkedIn. Yeah, but I don't. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't actively. I don't actively post things. Okay. I will like things other people post on okay. Facebook, so, <laughs> so you can follow my likes. All right. Over there. All right. But yeah, look look for me online, or or just hit up the Ben Film website okay. at benfilm.org, and you can track me down there. Cool. Yep. Any any last thing? Any last anything that's that's resonating in your heart that you want to share with the world and get out there and. No, I do. You know, one concept I do like is the idea of striving for failure, like you've, where you need to try to do things that could be huge or could be failures. Okay. And so most of those big jumps that I took were sort of in those situations of like, I'm going to leave my job editing, making lots of money, and I'm going to just be a film festival director, and we're going to do this festival in Alabama no one's ever tried to do before in that style. Right. And luckily it worked. Yep. Has that kind of been a, a driving philosophy for you, like an actual overt approach to life of like, I'm going to go after this thing. Even if it crashes and burns, I'm going to go after it just because it's it's big and exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's something I, I like. I like the concept, and I've right. certainly followed that uh, for a lot of key decisions in my life, but I haven't, it's not it's not on the wall. <laughs> you yeah. don't have a, a motivational poster, right? It says "Strive to Fail." <laughs> Strive to fail, because you know that's kind of kind of you know can be depressing too. <laughs> like I don't want to fail, um, right? But I think with any artistic endeavor, if you're afraid of the failure, which I and most of us probably are, you're not going to do that thing. And okay. people have told me this too. 
in, in terms of why I don't do things that I should do. But like, yeah, I could, I could uh, write a song and go perform it at open mic night someplace. It's probably gonna be horrible and people are gonna, are gonna hate it. Right. right. Or they might like it or they right. might be fine with it. But regardless, I'm not gonna know unless I do it. It's like right. maybe I would have been a great concert violinist, but I never even tried. Right. So you gotta, I think you have to try different things, cross your fingers and give it all you got. And, um, you know, if, it doesn't, if you don't succeed, try again. Right. Unless so you would like you say it. that somewhere along the way, it sounds like that became your, your actual like chosen uh, philosophy of like, I'm gonna go after this. I'm gonna do this thing, whether it was the LGBTQ film fest in Alabama or taking Indie Memphis in a bigger direction. It sounds like you at some point started making conscious decisions of like, we're gonna go big. We're yeah, I think, I mean, well, certainly make, you know, making those big, doing big things. Um, you know, it does feel like maybe less of that recently. So maybe that's a good reminder. Right. I need to, I should do something, uh, something big that, could, that might be terrible. <laughs> okay. But yeah, but we'll see. We'll see how right. it goes. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that takes us to the end. I think that's Thanks, good man. with me. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. sitting down with me and having a talk. Thank you, Charlie. Yeah. All right. Have, uh, cheers to you. 